The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's that time on a Sunday morning where we talk to Rob Kay and we're just squeezing into the end of October. How are you doing this morning, Rob? <laughs> I'm just squeezing in, Howard. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I'm very well indeed. As the months pass ever quicker. Absolutely. Yeah. And over the past month or so, these Blevins Franks reports have been dominated by the plethora of tax changes announced. Then, from a UK perspective, rescinded. During that time, investment markets have not fared too well, so I'd like to address that issue this morning. But first, what news, financial or other, caught your eye this past week? Well, um, during this part of last week's report, Howard, I referred to the revolving doors being installed at number 10 and number 11 Downing Street. And, and after Boris Johnson and then Penny Mordaunt, uh, withdrew the, from the race to replace Liz Truss as the third leader of the Tory party in as many months. Rishi Sunak met King Charles on Tuesday and he was officially named the UK's 57th Prime Minister, becoming the first British Asian and the first Hindu to hold that position. Sunak has gone from MP to Prime Minister in just seven years, faster than any other Prime Minister in the modern era. It took David Cameron nine years to achieve achieve the same as Sunak. Now, sitting in the back of a London cab on Wednesday, um, as usual, my cabbie was not short on opinions, and in his view, Sunak is a great appointment. His simple reasoning for that was, he's simply too rich to be bribed. That was a reference to Sunak and his wife's joint wealth, which is estimated to be about £730 million, more than double the wealth of King Charles III. In his first speech from the steps of Number 10, there were no promises of summing uplands or new dawn in his sombre and serious speech. Sunak did pay tribute to his predecessors, but made it clear that he would put away their childish toys, as he described them. Instead of the ideological certainties promoted by trust, he signalled a pragmatic approach to driven by the economic realities of the market. He said that mistakes were made and I've been elected leader to fix them. After years of chaos, rule-breaking and crisis, the grown-ups are back in charge. Now, on this side of the channel, after several days of heated debate, France's 2023 budget has been pushed through using the 49.3 constitutional mechanism I described last week. The final text includes 117 amendments, mainly proposed by President Macron's party. The package now must be approved by the Senate, but that's dominated by an alliance between the centre-right Republicans and the Unionist centrist parties. In summary, the key budget measures are regulated gas and electric price rises will be capped at 15% in 2023, and around 12 million low-income households will receive a cheque worth €100 or €200 to use towards energy bills in December. The number of communes which can implement a tax debitation surcharge of 5 to up to 60% for second homes will go from 1,500 to 5,000. Tax thresholds will rise by 5.4% in line with inflation and teachers will receive a 10% pay rise in September 23. The bonus ecologique grant, which helps low-income households purchase electric vehicles, will rise from €6,000 to 7000 and a social leasing scheme will be introduced which will allow low-income households to rent an electric car for €100 Euros per month. As part of the government's project de Loire Finance for 2023, it announced French drivers paid speeding camera fines of €859 million Euros in 2021, with 58% of offences involving speeds of just less than 5 kilometres per hour above the limit. 
A further 850 million euros was collected in fines handed out by police carrying out random checks on the French roads. Now finally, you may have seen some rather dramatic headlines about the E the EU harvesting biometric data when the new EES border control system is brought in line on May or in May 2023. The EES system will change how passports are checked at the border and in addition to the current details contained in your passport, the system will also record facial images and the fingerprints of all the passengers. So it will be similar to going to the USA where foreign arrivers already have to provide fingerprints. Yeah, I'm thinking on your taxi drivers, how how wise they are. I suppose listening and just listening, they get a, a lot of wealth and then they can just assimilate it. <laughs> Lovely. I'm not sure it's all uh, genuine stuff. I think it's just regurgitated. Well, yes. He was very, yes, he was. He was very, uh, very opinionated. But that's a, not, yeah. not unusual. Well, you know, they have to know the knowledge, isn't it? And they have to have a, a great memory to do that job. So um, fabulous people. Let's hope that tradition stays. You know, we can be mm-hmm. romantic about that. I think. Absolutely. Anyway, are you able to summarise for us what has happened to the investment markets over the past ten months? <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's Halloween tomorrow night, Howard, which means we're 10 months into what foreign investment markets can probably only be described as a horror story of a year so far. After two years, when, when at various points the whole world was locked down and when certain regions weren't, they had to operate under severe restrictions, which forced governments across the world to throw enormous sums of cash down deep, dark holes to prop their citizens up. Where we are today is not entirely a surprise, in my opinion. When the restrictions loosened, people were always going to start spending. And with that much cash swirling around in the economy, the, the spectre that was looming large on the horizon was always going to be inflation. Enter stage left totalitarian extremists looking to gain ground while the world is busy trying to recover from the pandemic. Obviously, I'm referring to Russia and China. Uh, and the difficult situation was easily turned into a crisis. In the US... Inflation has been fundamentally fueled by the pandemic because, by and large, they're big enough to be self-sufficient from a commodities and from an energy perspective. Europe's reliance on Russian energy and Ukrainian commodities has turned the wildfires here in Europe following the pandemic into a full-blown forest fire. The simple facts are the world's investment markets have faced a laundry list of concerns this year, which have included new COVID-19 lockdowns, an economic slowdown in China, the Russian-Ukraine war, surging inflation and central banks tightening policies. This has led to a tough year, with global equities down around 20% and the global government bond benchmark off by 10%. In truth, investors had nowhere to hide this year, no safe havens to run to, with global equities in the bear market and bond yields rising. However, if we consider the cycle, value and sentiment decisions making process, we need to be cautious about becoming too pessimistic. Sentiment is extremely oversold, and at levels last reached during the initial COVID-19 panic of March 2020, and we all know what the markets quickly bounced back from after that, when that panic subsided. The word diversification is frequently used in the subject of investing is mentioned. Can you explain the standard level of diversification that every investor should have? Yeah, the, the volatility of any investment portfolio can be increased or decreased by the level of diversi- diversification your portfolio has. For, for instance, if you hold stock in one company, your investment performance is totally reliant on that stock. If you have more holdings, 
the volatility of the portfolio won't be as harsh because all the holdings won't move in unison. If you then expose your portfolio to different asset classes and different geographical areas, your level of diversification will obviously be greater and you'll benefit because all asset classes across the world will really all be down at the same time. What every investor needs to understand is what is their standard level of diversification because it will influence how much volatility your portfolio is exposed to and it's frequently referred to as your risk profile. When we look at investments, we need to be realistic. If you have a low risk attitude, you don't want your portfolio to have too high a level of volatility. So the portfolio needs to hold a high percentage of cash or near cash assets, such as bonds. If you have a higher risk attitude, your portfolio will have a greater exposure to stocks and shares. Your investment journey will be more volatile, but history has proven time and time again, if you stay in the market over the medium to longer term, equities outperform cash. You just need to understand your own personal appetite for volatility. Can we have a better level of diversification by investing in funds rather than buying individual stocks? I suppose the flippant answer to that, Howard, is if you have enough money, you could cover all the bases yourself, which is exactly what happens when you invest in funds. Fund management houses gather money from thousands of investors, then spread their clients' investment monies by investing in hundreds, and in some cases, thousands of assets. As the investor, you then have less exposure to a single asset class or a specific asset. Typically, around the world, investors tend to have too much exposure to their own markets. Of course, the market you know best is the easiest to invest in. An example we frequently see is UK nationals who hold too many investments in UK-based companies. Statistics show that if you have a well-diversified portfolio of investments, you'll often achieve better returns. Different asset classes or regions will perform differently, and that performance can significantly vary year on year. The diversification that comes with this very performance can help reduce the risk of having all your assets drop at the same time. Well, if there are so many available funds, how can we possibly choose which ones are right for us? Um, well, we believe that requires the input of professionals. Blevins Franks uh, has been working with our various investment partners now for, for nearly 50 years to create solutions that are meticulously researched, diversif diversified across a broad range of opportunities, then dynamically managed to adapt to changes in global markets. We work with our clients to find the most appropriate portfolio for their needs because we understand every investor has a different objective, a different time horizon and a different attitude to risk. Once we understand the client's unique situation and their specific goals, their portfolio needs to be designed to achieve their goals. We believe the more you know, the better the investment process. So we choose the investment partners who look deeper, which usually means there are two distinct elements to their research market research and manager research. Market research looks at what is going on generally around the world, which helps to identify favourable investment opportunities. Our investment partners have a team of eco economists monitoring investment markets around the world. They are focused on macro research, looking at economies, markets and industries, then identifying where there is the best opportunity for repeatable growth. Manager research looks at the performance of process and technique used by different investment managers to discover the best investment potential around the world. This is done by identifying the right manager through assessment, then continually monitoring them. This process identifies the managers that have exceptional ability, a strong track record, robust process and complementary skills. We shouldn't forget, globally, there are approximately 35,000 funds, which is just too many to choose from. 
hence why Blevins Franks works with a panel of investment partners who are experts in their own field. Are multi-manager funds a different proposition? Yeah, put very simply, a multi-manager proposition provides a professionally constructed portfolio that has multiple layers of diversification across multiple managers, multiple investment styles, and in some cases, multiple asset classes. There are there are usually two distinct categories of multi-manager, um, a fund of fund manager or a manager of manager system. That certainly sounds different. Can you elaborate a little more? Yeah, the foundation of multi-manager investing is based on totally on diversification. Multi-managers adopt a disciplined, research-driven approach to investing with the belief clients benefit from a more consistent long-term performance with lower levels of risk than a single-manager alternative. Maybe the best way to explain the benefits of a multi-manager approach to investments is to compare that the performance of Canada's Olympic decathlon champion, Damien Warner, to the champions in each of the 10 individual events. The decathlon champion is an all-round athlete who performs at an extremely high standard across all 10 different disciplines. However, he would be beaten by the champion in each of the individual events. A multi-manager approach to investing has a strong synergy to the decathlon analogy. If you invest using a generalist investment manager who can provide exposure to, to different markets, you can get a good return, just like the decathlon champion, However, if you find the best individual champion in each of those markets, you'll invariably get a better investment return, and usually with a much lower risk. Do many investment firms offer multi-manager funds? Um, more and more. I mean, over the past 25 years, more and more fund management houses can now offer their clients a, a multi-manager approach for their investments. Levin's Frank's preference has, has also evolved over that period, but we've always preferred the manager-of-manager manager approach in preference to fund of funds. We have continually developed our processes and our relationship with our investment partners. Some have been with us for, for actually 25 years or more, and our clients seem very happy with those arrangements. They understandably haven't been able to entirely avoid the investment market car crash we've seen this year. But their robust research systems and skill as insured clients have not been exposed to unintended or unexpected consequences and importantly they're appropriately positioned for when the market recovers so finally do you have any general investment advice for our listeners <laughs> yeah i mean as this year has highlighted how successful investing is hard reaching our investment goals is no easy task because financial markets are complicated and as we've seen unpredictable by having a better understanding of investment principles you can avoid some of the common pitfalls at Blevins Franks, we believe in three basic principles. Spend time in the market instead of trying to time the market. Get your balance right and don't put all your faith in star funds. I was reminding of the first principle earlier this week. A relatively new client who invested shortly before the world was introduced to COVID-19 has constantly jumped in and out of the market. Against our advice, he has fled to cash at various points over the past three years, then jumped back in again. We carried out what I can only describe as a drains-up review this week, which revealed if he'd simply stayed invested, he would have been in profit because his portfolio would have performed 18% differently to how it has. The reality is his portfolio is in negative territory, which is entirely due to poor decision and trying to time the market. When we say get your balance right, we mean have a diversified portfolio, which covers a range of regions and asset classes. Markets will change, so you need a solution that's dynamically managed. 
Over the past few years, we've seen several star fund managers and star funds come crashing down. But on a more macro level, the best fund manager one year can easily be the worst the following year. For example, over the past 10 years, the difference between the best and worst fund managers is actually quite staggering. An investment of just €10,000 with the best UK equity manager would have delivered a €48,000 return, while the worst managed just 11500 The disparity is even greater if we look at global equities. The best investment manager would have returned you €75,000 for your, for your €10,000 investment, while with the worst, you would have simply doubled your money. Now, if you live in France or you're thinking of living in France and you want to discuss the management of your investment assets, have a conversation with Blevins Franks. Remember, the initial conversation is entirely complimentary because until we understand if we can help you, we don't start charging. Alternatively, if you have a more general question or anything concerning money or finance in France, also give us a call. Speak to one of our local partners. If we can help, we will, but if we can't, I'm sure we'll know somebody who can. So, the telephone number for our office in Valbonne is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. Or, if our Monaco office is more convenient for you, you can call and arrange an appointment or a telephone conversation with one of our Monaco-based partners by calling Monaco, which is 97775574. That's 97775574. And as we say every week, Howard... Anyone can contact us or find out what's going on at Blevins Franks via the website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks. I'll enjoy chatting with you next Sunday morning. Thanks very much, Howard. Have a great week. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. Planning on moving to France? Already living here? Make sure you get the correct tax and financial advice. The French tax regime provides opportunities for tax-efficient investing, but there are many pitfalls. Using the wrong arrangements could have major tax and succession consequences. Blevins Franks has in-depth knowledge of the local tax system and can help structure your assets to get the best out of living in France. Contact Blevins Franks today on 0493 001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.